Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Good afternoon. How are you doing? Good. Happy Father's Day. Yeah? No? No. My sense is that a lot of the dads are like, yeah, nope, nothing happened this morning for me. <laughs> in all honesty, I had the bacon and the soda bread ready for Andrew's breakfast, but I woke up too late, so it was cereal for him. So I have to <laughs> make that up to him when I get home somehow, with maybe the chicken or something. Um, in a minute, I just want to give you a heads up. I'm going to be reading from uh, the Bible, Isaiah 61. So if you want to go ahead and put your hands on a Bible, if you didn't bring a Bible, there should be one somewhere on the seats around you. There's, there's extra ones in the windowsill over there and sitting over there. Grab a Bible. I, I like to tell people uh, there's no shame in using the table of contents if you just can't figure out where Isaiah is. There's a book in the Bible, guys, no matter how often I try and memorize where it is, I can't, I can't even say it properly. Philemon? Filet mignon, filet mignon. Uh, So listen, we all have our struggles. Use that table of contents, Isaiah 61. My name is Dana Masters. I am married to the lovely Andrew Masters. And uh, last week, Andrew was up here, and he challenged us to reframe our understanding of and our posture to spiritual warfare. I found it incredibly helpful, actually. He had us all repeat together the phrase, do you remember this? I'm struggling right? We don't normally say that in church out loud together in a group. And it reminded us that when we are following the way of Jesus, we are joining the kingdom of God as it advances against the kingdom of darkness, and that because of that struggle is to be expected, isn't it? Well, the other day I was doing my very wifely duty of eavesdropping on a phone conversation that my husband was having. I'm a little nosy. Um, with, a, with a good friend of ours, our good friend is a Church of England priest, um, and he asked Andrew, he said, how are you, Dana, and the kids doing? And I thought to myself, I wonder how he's going to answer this. And Andrew said, you know, to be, to be honest, things have been hard. You know, we decided in 2021 to step up our game in prayer and Bible reading, and then it, it felt like everything just started to fall apart. We've been struggling with our health for the last part of 2021 and most of 2022. We're feeling that financial pinch and the cost of living that everyone is probably feeling right now, stressing us out. We regularly feel like failures in our parenting. Anybody else with me? Is it just us? Yeah? Okay. But I know some of you are experiencing things like that. Maybe not the same thing, but you would say, yeah, things just feel so stressful and, and difficult at the moment. Especially if you're saying, yeah, I've leaned into obedience and I've decided to walk more closely with Jesus and now it just feels like everything is unraveling. So then our friend asked Andrew, well, what's happening with church? How's church going? How's the community of God where you are? And Andrew replied, well, actually, we, we just wrapped up an All-Ireland Church Festival at which our children and youth were prophesying, most of them for the first time. Some of them even got in trouble for staying up past curfew for praying. <laughs> he said to our friend, I got a call the other day to inform me that some 
people in our community showed up spontaneously at our venue because they wanted to intercede for all of you and what was going on in this building on a Sunday morning. Our children are starting to lead us in worship through prayer. Our youth team has partnered with a number of high schools in our area so that the Alpha course has a place in their RE timetable. Over 180 unchurched teenagers have done Youth Alpha this year, and some of them are walking to church on a Sunday morning to be here with us and to see what God is doing. Families in our church, regular families, opening their homes and lives to Ukrainian refugees, and it is not easy. He said to our friend, my friend Andy McConville just ran 94 miles, nearly four marathons to raise awareness and money for human trafficking in Northern Ireland whilst also being a part of bringing justice to actual cases of human trafficking. And so far he's raised nearly 10,000 pounds. He ended his, his list by saying, and one local GP administrator telling me that he spends his days praying over the individuals of the hospital letters before posting them. Evangelism, justice, radical hospitality, sacrifice, salvation. And that's only a small selection of the stories coming out of this community. Believe me, I know, because I eavesdrop a lot. <laughs> My home is full of your stories and therefore full of faith. But as I listened to Andrew have that conversation, I wanted to weep because I was reminded of that scripture in Luke 24. The disciples, they had decided to follow this, this Jesus, Son of God. They thought they knew what that meant. They had put all of his, their hope in him. And then the worst thing happened. He was killed, crucified. They had lost all sense of purpose. What they thought it meant to follow Jesus was not what it meant to follow Jesus. And they were at their lowest. And the headline was that everything had gone wrong and they were struggling. And in the midst of all that, some stranger showed up and had a meal with them. And they slowly began to realize that it wasn't a stranger at all. It was Jesus the risen Lord, they recognized him. The Bible says their eyes were opened. And when Jesus left them, they said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us? Eavesdropping on that conversation, my eyes felt like they were opened. In Lagan Valley Vineyard, my heart burns within me because isn't the Lord among us? Many of us are feeling the squeeze and the pressure. And like Paul, we, are, we feel that scripture, we are pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, pressed down, struck down but not destroyed. And in the midst of some of our struggle and pain, the Lord is among us and he is moving. That 12-year-old boy this morning, my favorite part of that story that Chris told me 
was that his father was here. And he said to Chris, best Father's Day ever. I say that this morning because I want to fill you with anticipation. I've had this message burning in me for some time. It's for me and it's for you and it's a gift from the Father this morning. And I, I know even now, while I was speaking and talking about the move of the Spirit in our community, some of your hearts began to burn within you. And you don't know what it is, but the Father's saying he has something for you. And to prepare yourself for your response, it's going to be a good day. So today, I'm going to continue our series, and I'm going to turn our attention to freedom. Now, you found Isaiah 61, hopefully, in your Bibles. If you can, will you stand with me for the reading of the word of the Lord? Isaiah 61 starts like this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. And you will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. And all who see them will acknowledge that they are the people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. What a declaration of freedom. I want to be the first to wish you, maybe the first in your entire life, to wish you a happy Juneteenth. Anybody ever heard of Juneteenth? Today is Juneteenth. It's a federal holiday in the United States, and I know we're not in the United States, but I'll take all the holidays I can get, to be honest with you. <laughs> Juneteenth is short for June 19th, 
and it marks the day when federal troops arrived in Galveston, Texas in 1865 to take control of the state and ensure that all enslaved people be freed. Now, if you are an American history enthusiast, you would be right in saying to me, Mm, 1865, Dana, I'm pretty sure that the Emancipation Proclamation for the slaves in America happened before that. And you would be right. The Emancipation Proclamation that was signed by President Abraham Lincoln was signed on January 1st, 1863. And it established that all enslaved people in Confederate states in rebellion against the Union shall, quote, be then, thenceforward, and forever free. But due to some political technicalities and the lack of a presence of the Union troops, slavery remained relatively unaffected in Texas until U.S. General Gordon Granger actually stood on Texas soil and read General Orders Number 3, which said, the people of Texas are informed that in accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. Two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation, the slaves in Texas didn't even know that they were free because they never heard the proclamation. No one ever told them. It reminds me of the scripture, Romans chapter 10, 14. It says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? For some people in this room today, you need to hear the Father's declaration of freedom over you. The cross and the resurrection happened, and that was like your emancipation proclamation. But like the slaves in Texas, word has not yet reached you. And you are free people living like slaves. Well, if I can be so bold this morning as to step in the foot Prince of General Granger and proclaim to you this morning that in accordance with the proclamation from the kingdom of heaven, all slaves are free. You don't have to be enslaved any longer because Christ has come and said, you are free. Free from anger and envy and resentment, and disappointment, free from jealousy, free from fear and selfishness, free from discontentment and the obsession of what others think of you, free from Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and Snapchat, free from pornography, gambling addictions, substance abuse, free from gossip, and bitterness, you are free. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your freedom. 
We thank you that you have declared over us that we are no longer slaves. Amen. You can go home. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm not done. Because guess what? Being set free is only the beginning. We talk about that proclamation of freedom as if it's the end of the story, as if we just sat through a really good, like, Saving Private Ryan movie and got to the very end, and the very end is, you're free. But freedom is just the beginning. Being set free is not the cure for slavery. Living free is the cure for slavery. Being set free and living free are two very different things. And we do well this morning not to confuse them. You know, growing up in the United States of America, we, I think, we believe we have the corner market on freedom, don't we? We love our freedom, don't we? We love to just go and set other people free and be free and it's all right. It's what we do. And it is. It is all right. God saw to that actually. In Genesis, we see in our own origin story, the God of the universe all-powerful, all-knowing, can do anything he wants. The God whose utterances bring forth entire worlds gave us, from our first breath, freedom. He would not force our allegiance or, or our love. He would not take our obedience against our will. He gave us freedom. But what I just did there, that declaration of freedom, just the beginning. Being set free is the preamble, the preface. Staying free, that's the story. You know, in school, when we studied the histories of civilizations and societies, we always find that the very beginning of their story, after they declare freedom or independence, they establish a system to hold their freedom, to steward their freedom. Laws, if you will, structure, because they know, they knew that freedom cannot survive without structure. Without structure, freedom quickly turns into just another type of slavery. Your freedom this morning needs structure, boundaries. And God, in his goodness, has prescribed a structure to keep you free. I want to explain it kind of like this. I know a lot of us this morning love the idea of financial freedom, don't we? What if, I want you to imagine with me, I don't know why this man is like an American cowboy, like kind of like George Bush, 
Junior, the junior one, but he's got on Wranglers and he's got a big cowboy hat on. This man comes walking through. He's a gazillionaire. He was just walking past our church, and he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk into this place, and I'm going to interrupt Dana while she's speaking. She says, Dana, I've got an announcement to make. I'm a gazillionaire, and today I've decided to pay off all the debt in this room, all of it, mortgages, car loans, student loans, credit cards. How would you feel? You'd be like, God bless America. <laughs> It'd be good news, great news. But how many of us would know how to stay financially free after we walk out of this room? How many of us would pay the cost to stay free? One of my favorite things on the internet right now I don't know why this is my favorite. There's a lot of great stuff on it. This is my favorite thing. I saw this quote and I was like, do I need to get this tattooed on my body somewhere? It said, all I want in life is to eat whatever I want and lose weight. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> Genuinely, I don't feel like it's a lot to ask in the grand scheme of things. It resonates deeply with us, doesn't it? There's something about that that resonates so deeply. We laugh, and yet a part of us is like, no, but seriously, is it, can it be done? <laughs> because somewhere deep within us, we have bought the lie that true freedom, true freedom, is doing whatever we feel like doing whenever we feel like doing it. We live in a time when what we call freedom is actually bondage, and what we call bondage is actually freedom. How many of us, after our cowboy American gazillionaire pays off all our debts, would never again spend money we don't have on a credit card? How many of us would maybe stop eating out so much so that we can afford to create a savings for when the inevitable happens or, or even to save for the next generation to pass on an inheritance. How many of us would stop shopping for a new wardrobe every season or use shopping as a way to get that feel-good dopamine hit that we just need consistently? How many of us would choose the less impressive car, the smaller house, the more humble holiday, so we could stay free? Because the thing is, there are habits we develop in slavery that cannot come with us in freedom. They have no place. And if we try to bring them with us, we will end up enslaved again. We have to build new habits. We have to form new structures. We are free. But how then will we live? Nearly 16 years ago, while we were living in Los Angeles, and I was working full time for a church, a big mega church, at the same time, I was experiencing a deep 
level of apathy in my faith. And I found myself just unhappy. And it poured out in every part of my life. When I was with friends, with people, I was talking about other people. I mean, I was doing it like in a Christian way, obviously, but I was talking about other people. <laughs> we should pray for so-and-so. I was really critical of the church leadership constantly. It was pouring out of me. And I felt myself growing resentful. And Andrew and I had only just started dating. And for the life of me, while I'm talking about how I was, I, I don't know why he was dating me. It was, maybe you had issues too. <laughs> we, had, we had just started, we had been friends for a long time and we had just started dating. And I remember one day I was in my office, the church offices, and he was helping me do something. And I was probably being really resentful and bitter. And I remember he looked at me in that way that only Andrew can and said, uh, Dana, are you, are you following Jesus? And I was like, this man's about to get a stapler thrown at his head. <laughs> it infuriated me. I felt the anger I felt at that question. How dare he? I work full-time for a church. I lead a small group in my apartment. I led worship nearly every Sunday. Dana, are you following Jesus? And in a moment of honesty, after I got over the shock and horror of the question, I had to admit to myself that I actually wasn't following Jesus. I was moving nowhere with Jesus. I wasn't ordering my life around him. I wasn't making space to spend time with him or to read his word. I wasn't sacrificially serving the people around me. I'd never forget that question. I'll never forget that moment. And I had to ask it again nearly 12 years later. Now, I'm going to be really honest with you guys, okay? Real honest. It might be uncomfortable, but I'm going to do it. Here I am 12 years later, married to a pastor, church being planted out of my own living room. And I woke up one morning to the realization that my relationship with the Lord had grown stale and stagnant. I hadn't lost my faith. I wasn't wondering if the Lord was real, if God was who he says he was. I hadn't lost my faith as much as I had just lost interest in it. I felt very little for Jesus. And to be honest, Jesus and the Christian faith seemed to be looking increasingly irrelevant in the light of popular culture. Kept trying to figure out where he slotted in and all the other belief systems that 
kind of made sense to me if I thought about it. On top of that, I was a really busy working mom, traveling and touring in and out of hotel rooms, airports, airplanes, coming home exhausted, having to do three meals a day, this, that, and the other, school, blah, blah. So life felt a little too full for regular prayer times and Bible reading for myself. Forget for my kids. I woke up that morning and I heard that question. Dana, are you following Jesus? I mean, I knew that I had been set free. Don't get me wrong, because my moment of meeting Jesus as a teenager was so supernatural and wonderful. I'll never be able to deny that. But I had slowly abandoned every structure to stay free in pursuit of ease, comfort, Because following Jesus, if I'm honest, is just really hard sometimes. Staying free can take a lot of effort. How many of you know that while slavery is horrible, it sometimes feels easier? You know, in the Old Testament, when the people of Israel were set free from slavery from Egypt... The euphoria of their emancipation quickly wore off when they realized that being set free and staying free were two very different things. The cost of rebuilding the structure of their existence around God, the one true God, felt too much. And the Bible says they longed for slavery again. Now let me be clear. On your own and in your own strength, you cannot sustain your freedom. But you can make room in your life for the one who can. We make room for his sustaining presence through daily interaction with the word of God, daily interaction with the spirit of God, and daily interaction with the mission of God. In short... Read the Bible, pray, love, and serve. And that's the structure. And like Andrew said last week, it's simple, but it's not easy. Can I ask you a question this morning? And it's okay if it makes you a little angry. It's okay if you say, how dare she? But are you following Jesus? I'm not asking you, do you believe in Jesus? I'm not asking you if you come to church most Sundays. I'm not asking you if you're trying to be a good Christian or even if you call yourself a Christian. Are you following Jesus? When I had to ask myself that question and confront the fact that I wasn't, the Holy Spirit challenged me to do something that I hadn't done in years.
read my Bible every day. It felt so silly, too, because here I am, a really tired mom, saying, God, I don't think I'm following you. I need you. Do something supernatural in my life. Wake me up. Fill me with life again. And he comes back with, read the Bible every day. It doesn't sound too exciting, does it? And we know it's the craziest part. Honestly, I think I'd been a Christian for so long that I kind of had this attitude that I was beyond needing to read the Bible every day. Do you know what I mean? Sure, I've read most of it anyway. I got it. But I said, okay, because all the other things I was trying wasn't working. And I set out to read my Bible in a year. And to be honest with you, it wasn't necessarily the funnest thing I've ever done. Um, it didn't always feel supernatural. Um, in fact, most of the Old Testament, well, not most, there were parts of the Old Testament was a bit of a snooze fest because there's a lot of genealogies in there, okay? I don't even know my genealogy that well, all right? But I kept showing up. Because really, that's what God was asking me to do. Would you carve out a space to meet me in my word so I can show you who I am? So I did. And guess what? He did. He is. The journey that the Father took me on and is taking me on the life he is breathing back into my every day, my tired every day. None of my circumstances changed. I am still a very exhausted mother of three very crazy children. I am still, like so many people, feeling the squeeze and financial pressure, wondering what does the future hold, what is going to come. I am still trying to convince my husband to put his bowl all the way in the dishwasher. <laughs> and yet, I am alive in Christ again. I am walking with him again. I am filled with a new passion to steward the Spirit of God in my family again. Just from meeting God in his word every day. I was tired. I was spent. I was deflated. I didn't have the energy for a big program or a new routine. I'm just going to show up here, God. I'm going to open this book. I'm going to open my heart. Simple structure that takes me from a moment of liberation into a life of freedom. Are you ready to live free? Are you tired of bouncing from one worship service to another worship service, somehow hoping to get that hit of feeling? You're trying to live off of that vapor for a whole week. Are you exhausted yet? 
Cherith Loper, who is our children's pastor here at Lagan Valley Vineyard, and I, we've been praying for you for the last month or so. And we've been scheming with the Holy Spirit. And he has filled us with so much excitement for what we believe the Father is inviting us into as a church this summer. You see, we came up with this idea that we wanted to challenge you. We want to challenge you to read your Bible every day for eight weeks. But this morning, I have a very real sense that it's not me that needs to challenge you, but the Holy Spirit is saying, will you challenge him? You see, in Psalm 34, 8, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And for some of you, the Holy Spirit is standing here right now and saying, I dare you to. I double dog dare you. If you have kids, you know how powerful a dare is. The Father is daring you to take him at his word. Just to show up. Show up five minutes. Open his word and meet him right there. I believe that the Lord is saying to us this morning, church, meet me in my word. Do it every day and watch me transform your life and your family's lives. Watch me as I fill you with perfect purpose. Watch me revive your dead places. Watch me bring healing to your relationships with your children and your spouse and your neighbors and your mother and your father and your brothers and your sisters. Watch me bring life to your dry bones. You have tried to do it. Now watch me. Can I invite our worship team to come back up here? And they're going to play quietly as we sort of have a response time here this morning. The Holy Spirit is here. He is speaking to so many of you this morning. And it's a really good thing. It's a wonderful thing. So this summer, we are going to invite you to take God up and his challenge through something we are calling, it's the most creative name you'll ever hear, the Big Family Bible Read. Because as a massive big family of Lagan Valley Vineyard, we are going to read through the Gospel of Mark over the months of July and August. We'll give you details of everything you need to do to get started the first day of reading is actually on the 4th of July, which is ironic because it is also another Independence Day. Are you ready for your Independence Day to become your Independence Life? And it's not just the adults. The children in those kids' rooms will be given the same opportunity to hear Jesus calling them to interact with his word every single day. To sign up to meet with God and his scriptures this summer. 
You're going to be encouraged if you live with another person or people who are saying yes to this challenge. You're going to be encouraged to do it together, to gather and read the word together. If you need Bibles, we want every member in your household to have a Bible to do this. If you need Bibles, we have Bibles. We'll give you Bibles. All you have to do is decide whether you are going to say yes. If you are going to take the dare. Can you stand with me this morning? Some of you Some of you have a yes in your heart that you need to say to the Lord today. And I'm going to invite those people to come to the front. This is a safe place. There's no judgment here. We all need Jesus. Some of you are here today and you have been a Christian for a long time. And when I described my seasons of apathy and listlessness and despair, you immediately related to what I was saying. And the Father is daring you this morning to take him up on his word and meet him in his word, to say your yes to him so he can start the process of bringing you back to life. If that is you this morning, I want you to do the brave thing and step out of your seat and come to the front here. It's a physical act, confessing to the Lord that we are ready. We are ready for what he has for us. So come on down. If that's you, you need to say your yes to Jesus again. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. You can keep coming. There's no um, limit of time. You're not going to, the, the clock isn't going to run out. There's others of you this morning that when I said that declaration of freedom over you, you felt in your heart as if it was the first time someone had ever told you that Jesus came to free you, that someone had ever declared that you are free this morning and, and you want to say a yes to Jesus for the first time. I want you to come on up here, join these people, bring your yes to Jesus. Come on up. You can come now. The last group of people that I feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to today. You are desperate for the Father to revive your family. You need the Father's activity in your family. For your children, for your marriage, for the relationships there. And the Father is inviting you to say your yes to him this morning.
to commit to meeting him and his word. And he says, watch me. Watch what I do. If that's you this morning, can you come on up? We'd love to pray with you and over you. Come on up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Keep coming, Holy Spirit. Keep coming, Holy Spirit. Yeah. The Lord is working. You don't have to wait on anything or anybody. In your heart, just start saying yes to Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. I'm tired, but yes, Jesus. I'm deflated, but yes, Jesus. I'm discouraged, but yes, Jesus. And stay in this place, and we're going to worship together. We're going to worship together. And this is our ministry time. We're holding off sending out the prayer team right now because I do believe the Holy Spirit is doing such a sweet work just himself in this room. So let's stay here and worship together. <laughs>